Get on. There we go. The command from the angels throughout the Christmas story where they kept just saying to Mary and to Joseph, and tonight we're looking at the shepherds, fear not. A key phrase of commandment that penetrates to all of us because all of us have fears that we have to deal with. Tonight we're going to look specifically at what the shepherds probably faced the most, which was the fear of how they appear to God, of how they stand before God. Maybe that's not your fear, but tonight that may be something you are thinking about as well. Where are you at in your relationship with God? And God would come to all of us who might have a fear about that and declare those words, fear not. Let's get started this evening by just repeating that phrase, those two words together. Fear not. One more time. Fear not. You ready? In your handout, there's an insert that has scriptures for us to uh, look at tonight. As we talk about this, not fearing our standing with God. This is probably the most classic form of this Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. It's the uh, Charlie Brown version, you know. <laughs> so, and we're just going to take the slice that has to do with the shepherds for a bit here tonight. This is from chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Just pause there for a minute to think. Now, they may have been terrified simply because of the sight of angels, <laughs> an angel of the Lord, because Often, the first words that ever come out of an angel's mouth are, fear not. <laughs> so it may be the very presence and, and, and anatomy and awesomeness of this creature standing before them that made them terrified. But I'm thinking there's even some deeper things that are going on inside of them. So we're going to look at those even further. But the angel said to them, fear not. There it is. Fear not. That's the King James Version. The NIV would say, do not be afraid. Afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. That's going to be our key phrase tonight. Good news of great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A day of joy. A day of gratitude. You know, we need to think about our relationship with God. And if you're not sure, you're not certain about where you stand before God, it can be frightening. When I was just a little lad, maybe four-ish, we used to come down from the Tacoma area to Portland to visit my grandmother, my mom's mom and dad in Beaverton, and as we kind of went into the place and it was kind of a new surrounding, um, I remember going to bed for Christmas time down at their house. And my grandpa was a taxidermist, not by living, but just by hobby. So he had these rooms with all kinds of bear heads and cougar heads and, and deer heads and elk heads. I mean, just, he, he just took, took liberty and he had raccoons and all kinds of neat things, and it was fun. 
But when we went to sleep there, and the lights kind of came down low, you, you know how four-year-olds kind of are, you know. And uh, <laughs> there was one bearhead right at the top of the stairs where we had to turn. And I remember we would all like, I dare you. No, I dare you. And we'd have to run past that, you know. It was just kind of, kind of frightening. Well, then my grandma taught us this prayer. My parents hadn't taught us this prayer. They taught me tons of prayers. And I love my grandma to pieces. She's, she's part of the reason I love the Lord so much today. But my mom's mom, this was the prayer. Maybe you know this one. And there's a part of it that just freaked me out. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I was great with that. It was the next phrase. With all these bears and things around. And it was like, and if I die, what? Before I went, well, wait, wait, wait. Well, I don't. And so my heart was racing. And then my grandpa, his, he had this phrase. And he'd say it as he left the room. So we're praying, thinking about death. If I die before I wake. And then he'd say, good night, sleep tight, and don't let the bed bugs bite. So here I am thinking, you know, I'm going to sleep. I'm thinking about death and bed bugs. What? I don't know about you, but they were both freaking me out. You know, they were both fearful things, you know. And in some ways, that fear of death affects us all. Because all of us know that there's a, a time when we're not going to be here. There's a time when we will not be enjoying life the way that we are. And so it's, if you're going bedding down and you say, if I die before I wake, that might be a good way to go, <laughs> you know? Some of us would say that'd be merciful, <laughs> you know? But we think about our standing with God. Because you ask yourself the question, then what? If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Do we trust God with our eternity? Is, is that something that is on our hearts and minds? Is it something that we can uh, think about tonight when it comes to fearing not? God does not want you to wonder. God does not want you to question God does not want you unsure about if you were to die tonight, where would you be tomorrow when you wake up? He wants you to know, the Bible says, I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know for certain that you have eternal life. He wants you to know this Christmas, you have nothing to fear if you trust. Put your faith, put your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing to fear you see, it was pretty common back in this day for people who had babies, especially those who had uh, means, who had resources, they would hire a herald, a herald to go out and declare. They didn't have uh, birth announcements for the newspaper or they didn't have Facebook, okay? <laughs> Where it all gets announced today, you know? But they hired a herald. Hey, that's why we sing, hark the... Herald angels sing. You know, it's not their name, Herald. It's not their name. It's what they're doing. They are heralding the good news. Baby born. It'd be like saying, hear ye, hear ye. They would even sing it sometimes. You know, they'd sing out the birth of a baby, especially a firstborn, especially a son. I mean, that seems kind of ridiculous, but, you know, that's what they did. 
But in this case, the heavenly father doesn't send a herald that he hires. He sends heavenly messengers. He sends angels to declare the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. And the interesting thing is, who does he send the heralds to? Who is it that he sends the message to? And I want to think about that with you today. He sends it to the lowly shepherds, those who are, in a way, definitely not royalty, not respected. In fact, we're going to talk about the shepherds for a little bit here tonight. And even think about how they and all of us, they would be representative or illustrate how people feel distant from God. When people feel distant from God. Sometimes people just feel unworthy. The shepherds would have been in that category because they were definitely told by their society. Everything in their world told them that they were not worthy of even being in the presence of God for worship. They were uneducated. They were, we would say, the low lives. They were on the bottom rung of the social ladder. They were looked down on almost as much as lepers. They were looked on as, as low as tax collectors and sinners. It was incredible how little they felt in terms of worthiness, in terms of their, you know, when people had, they would resist being a shepherd. In fact, it was usually the youngest kid, each child who was born would get the job of being the, the shepherd because it was the worst job to have. <laughs> Shepherds back in that day were um, almost in the slave or servant class. They were considered subhuman. They couldn't even be used in a court to testify. That's how little respect people had for them. Because they were nomadic, they often got collected with bands of thieves. And so they had this reputation. Look out for those shepherds. They're not honest. And because they were nomadic, they would have to be gone for great big periods of time. Now, back in this day, you had to go regularly to the synagogue or to the temple, and you had to sacrifice and do all these ritualistic cleansing things. They couldn't do it. It'd be like a long-haul truck driver who had to go, you know, for two, 10 days, two months at a time and be gone. They were gone for months at a time. And so they could not do the ritualistic cleansing. So you know what they were called? Unclean. Unclean. And so anybody who was ritualistic clean, ritualistically clean couldn't come up against them even. Couldn't come with, hey, they had a six-foot rule. <laughs> you heard about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, multiply that a couple of times. But they had this six-foot rule, and you had to actually declare, unclean, unclean, don't come near me. What? Can you imagine? I'd rather wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so here, here they are, rejected, unworthy, and they just kept feeling this lack of worth. They felt distant from God, and the people of their day were rubbing in their inadequacy. They, instead of rubbing it out and encouraging them, they were trying to make them feel and had often made them feel worse than ever. 
ritualistically, religiously, spiritually, we would say, they were inadequate. Have you ever felt inadequate? Once in a while? So often that feeling can come to us and, and indeed it's, it's hard for us to feel accepted when we feel inadequate. Religious systems had left these folks, the shepherds, down. And I just want to say it this way. Religious systems will always leave people down. Religious systems will leave you, let you down. God's not interested in religious systems. God's not interested in religion. Did I say that? Did I say that? God's not interested in religion. He's interested in a relationship. The closest you get is James where he says, true religion is this, that you love the orphans and the widows in their affliction. And you start loving, pouring on love to people. God likes that kind of religion. Religiously love people and you got it. You know? But he's not interested in religion. He's not interested in rituals. You know what he's interested in? That's why he sent a person. He sent a person instead of a religion. He sent a person so we could relate to him in a relationship. You see, these, these shepherds, you know where they lived? With their sheep. You know what they smelled like? Sheep. So they weren't only ceremonially unclean. They were <laughs> smelly. <laughs> and they had that kind of reputation. And they were unloved. No father would willingly give his daughter in marriage to a shepherd. You know, it was like the last choice on the list if you were to, to do that because of all of these inadequacies and unloving spots they were in. They felt unloved. God loved them, but they didn't know it. God loved them, but they didn't know it, and nobody around them wanted them to know how much God, God loved them. Those are the reasons people feel distant from God. You see those at work in our culture, in our neighborhoods, in our households, even in your life today, have you ever felt unloved, inadequate, or unworthy when it comes to your relationship with God? Well, the shepherds highlighted those. Now, notice the first, if you're not, I bring you good news. So far, all we've had is bad news. The shepherds were pretty tough folks. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. For the shepherds and now for us, God's interested in what good news he would bring to us. See, Jesus later is going to tell these same folks like shepherds about the peace and the lack of fear that he's going to bring them. Jesus said in John 14, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or be afraid. We would say it, fear not. Jesus would say that when he calmed the storm. He told the guys in the boat, fear not. Jesus would say that from time to time. The same thing the angel said, fear not. The eager Lord is eager for us to hear his message 
So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. One of my favorite verses, this comes from 2 Timothy 1.7. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. One version says self-discipline. You know, power, love, self-discipline. The very things that the shepherds wanted and needed, but they were told they could not have. They couldn't have the power, the love, or the discipline that comes from, from the Lord. For God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power. And if they just look at the Old Testament, they could have heard Isaiah, the man of God from the Old Testament, say, fear not, the same phrase, fear not. This is the Lord speaking. For I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, that's what I want to say to you today is God did not send a religion. God sent a person. So let's talk about this good news for a little bit. Good news of what? Great joy. Great joy. And I want to talk about one of the disciples' passages, that uh, John, uh, Romans chapter 3, that just spends time with this good news, with the great joy, and with it being for all people. How does Jesus' birth lead the way to answer the shepherd's need, to answer the shepherd's feelings, their fear? Here's what it says. For no one ever was made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are, but God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. That's the key phrase there for me. When it comes to the shepherds, no matter whether you're the, the wise men in the palace or the shepherds in the field, everyone is called to the same good news of great joy. Let's start it off this way. Jot this down, if you would. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. You see, what he has given us, this relationship we have with him, it's a gift. It's a gift. And it's brought to you. He says, I give you this gift. Today is born for you in the city of David, a savior that is Christ the Lord. So I say this is, Good news. It's good news. It's a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. It is given to you unconditionally. He loves you that much. So that's why I call it good news. Just like we did fear not, maybe we could take that two-word phrase, good news, and just repeat that. Good news. Shout it out. Good news. One more time. Good news. You know what that's uh, translated as in the Greek? Gospel. The word gospel means good news. Well, what's the gospel? It's the whole story about the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that applies to our lives. And this is the beginning of the good news, the gospel news. It's given to you, not something you have to earn or deserve. 
All you have to do is trust the Lord. Put your faith in him. See, you can't earn, you can't earn his love. Dave, can you flip that for me? You can't earn God's acceptance by being good. You can't earn God's acceptance. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace, for by grace, you're saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift from God. Not because of works, so no man can boast. You see, you might look around tonight. You might look at somebody else. They might have a better sweater than you. They might look very Christmassy and all put together. That doesn't mean they're on any different grounds than you are when it comes to the Heavenly Father. You and they are accepted by God on the same basis. And it's not on looks, aren't you glad? It's not on dress, aren't you happy? It's not on income, aren't you glad? That's why I think he came to the shepherds first. He wanted to make this declarative statement, starting with the lowest, the lowest, lowest, lowest you can go. Everything's up from there, right? Yeah. You may see yourself in that category or somewhere along the line. You need to hear the story, the, the, the message very clearly. You are not accepted by God because of your good works. The only way you're accepted by God is it's a gift. We're into gifts this weekend, this uh, week, aren't we? How many of you got all your shopping done? You better, right? Only one. No. <laughs> yeah. Gift giving is so much fun. It's so good. God started it. That's why we give Christmas presents, because he gave us the greatest gift ever. For no one was ever made right by God by doing what the law commands. Nobody ever was made right by God with God that way. So we've got good news there. Are you catching that? What if we shifted to the next phrase and talked about great joy? Great joy, because it says, for unto you this day is born a savior. What's a savior? Someone who rescues you, someone who lifts you up, someone who saves you and gives you eternal, everlasting, and abundant life. His life for your life, a savior to save us. The Bible says, name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I mean, unless you realize you're a sinner and need to be saved, unless you realize you're in need, it's gonna be hard for you to accept the savior. The rules and laws show your need for a savior. That's what the law is there for, for that very reason. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what is right. The law simply shows us. You know, sometimes I'll do this illustration. How many of you have ever told a lie? You lie. No. <laughs> How many of you have ever stolen something? Okay. How many of you ever put, put God or put something else in the place that God should have? I think he calls that idolatry. How many of you have ever lusted for someone that you're not married to? Oh, that we're really getting a few less hands. Okay. All the married folks are like, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so let me think about this. We're idolatrous, adulterous, thieves, and liars. Is that a good start? 
a pretty good start. And it's good for us to note who we are because when we're talking about God, he accepts us not because we're good, but because we trust him. That's what a savior is for. That's why we need him. And the law just points those things out. What is a thief? What is an idolater? What is an adulterer? That's what the law is there for. So let's take the third one. Faith. We've got good news. Oh, we just missed this one. Great joy. Let's do that one. Great joy. Let's do both of them. Good news, great joy. Now we got this one. All people. Let's do all three of them. Good news of great joy that'll be for all people. Here's where we ask, ask the question. Since the shepherds were the lowlifes in their culture, isn't it interesting that God chooses faith, something anyone can do, whether you're a shepherd and you're uneducated and unaccepted and unloved, or whether you're the king in the palace, every one of us can and should believe, have faith, have trust. It is for all people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, that's the key here. Righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ. Did you hear that? We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's true for who? Everyone who believes. That's the good news. That's the great joy. That's the all people, no matter who you are. Repeat those one more time. Good news, great joy, all people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for this fear not statement to the shepherds that would encourage us about how to respond to you. Thank you for calling us to that. Open our eyes, open our hearts, help us believe. In Jesus' name, amen.